Kevin, what's going on? Um, we got a jam-packed episode today. We got a, a few different, very different topics that we're going to be talking about today, but I'm excited. It's, it's good to have you guys all today. Can you believe how fast the summer's going? Uh, don't do busy? that. Don't you do know, that. No, no, no. I, do I hate to be the guy, but honestly, it's, yeah, it's, it's I, four weeks left. <laughs> something. Yeah, I know. Because I think I was, I, I was hearing things about like back to school shopping. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're back to school. And I'm like, you know, as a parent, will I appreciate how short summer is? I don't know, right? Maybe I want, <laughs> yeah, I want the kids shuffled back into school as fast as yeah. possible. Right. Uh, I don't know if you guys have felt yeah, that. Yeah, I was wondering, Batter, your, your kids are a little bit older. How, how are summers for you? Every day, got to go outside. Like, outside. I can't tell if you're excited about that. <laughs> I mean, it's one of two reasons. It's either like you want your kid to go outside and like play outside or you want your kid to get tired. So they go to sleep on time so that you have an evening like you have to keep them active during the day and the summertime because it's hot. They get tired faster. So they yeah. might even sleep earlier. So it's like, all right, I'll drag you to the park. Even if you don't want to go to the park, you're going to the park, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, uh, but it's good. Like I enjoy summers way more than winter. And so does my, so does my daughter at least. So um, try to make the most of it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Toronto in the summer is amazing. Right. So mm-hmm. I want her to experience that and recognize that, Hey, like when it's winter time, like we're not going to be able to do any of this. So get it while you can. So, right. Mm-hmm. Not to sound like a contrarian. I actually can't wait for the summer to end at least here, bro. It's been a heat oh. wave in New York, bro. Oh, a heat. And like the apartment we live in, it's like one of those apartments that's just hot all the time, uh-huh. winter or summer. Yeah. 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 So it's been, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a test. Um, and we got an AC and everything, but it's just like mm-hmm. two extreme temperatures. It's like, Hard to find that that balance. Wow. New York is oh. like it's like living in a microwave in New York. Literally, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. buildings, the buildings themselves emanate heat. Like, yeah, give yeah. off heat. We have a radiator in Incredible. our bathroom. A radiator, like it, it's oh, like radiator. like even in the winters because like they kick it off, like they they kick it on in the winters. It mm-hmm. feels like we have heated floors. So like I joke sometimes. I'm like, oh, we have heated floors in the winters because of the because of the radiator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every oh, actually, yeah. every everything you do is essentially like hot yoga, right? Literally, yeah. Hot <laughs> yoga breakfast, <laughs> doing hot yoga while you're reading. <laughs> you're living in a greenhouse, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I'm always zen, but I don't feel zen. But yeah, like I, I, I maybe not like end of summer. Uh, uh, maybe that's a little bit of extreme, but you know, just like a like a just mild temperature, like something balanced, you know, like yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't take away from the feeling, but I like the scenery of like everything being green and, but, you know, maybe I should get out to Prince Edward County. Maybe that's yeah, a problem. That's a, <laughs> yeah. That's a good segue. Cause I know Batter was mentioning that he, uh, he'd experienced the cottage, which is a completely foreign concept to me, man. I don't know if it's a concept, foreign concept for you, but Batter, we're going to live through you vicariously. Tell us about that experience. What was uh, what was the cottage like? This is the disclaimer. I love being outdoors. I grew up like camping. I was a Cub Scout. Like I, I enjoy nature in general. Um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll come, I won't address that. I'll come back to this. But uh, the one thing I'll say is when you're at the cottage and you're in the cottage, it's relaxing and whatnot. But I find that where you go to go to the cottage in in southern ontario at least uh it's it's not as comfortable for someone like myself to navigate the area right um like if you go to like the local loblaws uh there's nobody there that looks like you you're quite obviously not from there um you get the feeling that everyone is watching you maybe that's just like super anxious or maybe like super hypersensitive right I don't know. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> or like, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Though. I mean, uh, I did get my last time. So I went to the cottage last week. Um, I did get double middle fingered. Uh, what? Yeah, I. Well, if the person thought I cut them off, I was just making a left turn. I didn't cut them off. Um, but 
I, I have to say there are places in Ontario that I did not expect to be as nice as they were. I was in Prince Edward County. When my wife said, let's go to Prince Edward County, I'm like, I'm not going to the Maritimes. What am I doing in Halifax? No, Prince Edward County, it's like two hour drive away. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know this place existed. But uh, it's fairly modern. This right. Is the cell of Prince Edward County. No, they're not paying me. It's fairly modern. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of like restaurants uh, or like chains that are, are in Toronto that are now like moving there and opening up there because the seasonal business is like, too much to pass on. But the only thing is, is once you go off the beaten path, you do feel like you're in like the movie Get Out or you feel like you're in some sort of movie where like you're not supposed to be where <laughs> you're not supposed to be there. You get that feeling, you know, um, I'm not sure if anyone else has had this experience of going to the cottage. But That's a that serious mine. claim. Get out, bro. <laughs> hey, man. Trust me. Like, there is no situation other than this where the double middle finger, I would just let that slide. You know? Right. And you guys know me. Like, that's something that I definitely would not let that slide. But that tells you a lot about where I was, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, like, there was a farm next to us that, sell, like, that sold free-range eggs. And to buy them, you just leave your money. I'm like... I can't like what if someone just steals all the all the eggs? Like, <laughs> like, Given the price of eggs, I think you should drop the address pattern. <laughs> the funny thing is, they were reusing Loblaw's cartons for the eggs, you know? So I'm like, oh, times are hard even out here, man. Like the guy's using up like the the carton of eggs that he just finished, he's using them to cart his eggs, you know? Um wow. but, Times is hard, but I, yeah. I, I, I think that like once people start to go out there, I think we could take over cottage country. These guys are a waste, you know. <laughs> like there's so much to do there. <laughs> like if people knew how much there was to do. Like everybody would be going to cottage, you know. Uh, yeah. Obviously, obviously, there's also like yeah. a economic part of this discussion where like people of color don't buy cottages, they don't own cottages, right? Right. They yeah. Could. Yeah. Right? If they yeah. knew what they were missing, I bet they would, you know? What That's is the average? What is the average? I don't know if there's an average per se, because it, it depends on like oh, the group, the amount of people that you go with. So right. I'm assuming like if it's a larger group, you can kind of even out the cost, but still they've skyrocketed uh, because yeah. you're seeing all the issues with travel, uh, people just wanting to uh, stay safer, um, uh, like stay within the country yeah and i think a lot of people have been looking around saying okay what does canada have to offer you know yeah. um yeah all at once so there's a lot of pressure when it comes to like price points and availability so i think historically yeah you're just not i think now you're starting to see more uh, people of color uh enjoying that cottage experience or going out to the cottage but yeah, it's been kind of closed off for the longest time because it was either you had to own one, uh, you had to be even aware of like all the activities associated with it and have a desire to go, which, which has been a challenge historically. So like right yeah. now, it's quite, it's quite ex I would say it's quite expensive. Um, so even for people who do want to experience a given kind of our topic last time of inflation and costs going up it's it's not as accessible as it should be yeah and it, sh and it should be more accessible i feel like because yeah um we, we live in such a big country you know um yeah. there should be opportunities for more families to go out and enjoy the outdoors especially because our summers are so short right and there's also this element too with cottages. You gotta, if I'm not mistaken, you gotta book them in advance, like months well, in advance. Yeah. Like even like coworkers that I've had, like they they plan their summer weekends like in February, and then like generally like you can like there's such a huge availability I assume for cottages, so it's just like kind of pick your choice. Um, and you know, with POCs, we don't we don't plan that far in advance, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Advance yeah. will call you. Advance uh, will call you on a Tuesday. Yeah, will call you on a Tuesday. Like, oh, he's going to a cottage on a Saturday. Uh, yeah, it's, like, it's right, more of an immediate. Online. Yeah, go online. Let's see. Uh, well, what's the, the? Can you try to book one? He's going to come back to you and be like, yo, man, um, I don't see anything available till October. Yeah. <laughs> 
So there's that aspect. Eddie, what about you? Um, you you a cottage outer yourself, or what's what's been your experience? I think, uh, from my experience, I think it's no different from what Bader had explained. I think I've had the opportunity to go to a few cottages over the last few years, and also uh, growing up as well. Oh, um, I'm not surprised at all. You're just a yeah. sophisticated <laughs> man yourself. You're, you're, That's not a man. Yeah, right. don't don't compare your, your experience to Batters. You're like your <laughs> sounds more. You, you even like inserted that upbringing, like growing up. You you had the the chance to go to a few yourself. That's sophisticated at another level. But go ahead, Eddie. In many cases, it's always been like as a chance of just being at the right place at the right time, where right? you had friends who had either access to a cottage or had planned ahead of time. Yeah. Or if you are, I think this comes to, I think, Harsh's point uh, as well. Like if you either you have the access and resources or like you marry into one as well. Right. So like if you're seeing someone and they're like, oh, like let's go cottaging as well. But you booked it as early as January for like a June stay. Then you're like, OK, yeah, I'm going to go and do that. But I think it is. Um, it's fun. I think it's great to be in the outdoors and you get to actually get to experience a whole lot. But I think to um, to Bader's point, I think you do tend to become a little bit more self-aware uh, or self-conscious as in because like, you're, you're among a group of people that do not necessarily look like you when you're trying to go into a local supermarket. They may be nice and everything else, but they do like watch you as well. They are very much like, oh, they're noticing a lot more about you. They're, they're staring as well. One point I would also like to also like point out as well, like especially for communities of color, it's not something that we normally would do because I think we're, it's all, once we arrive, it's all about the struggle to just try to make it and get ourselves yeah. landed. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's yeah. that generation afterwards that gets the access, they get to engage with all their friends as well who have cottages and they get yeah. to experience it. And yeah. I think- for a lot of our parents, it hasn't been a thing. But I think for some of them, when they're older in age and they say, like, maybe we'll buy a cottage at a later point in time, they do it for investment reasons. Um, and then you, at, at our particular age, then you say, like, hey, maybe that's a potential investment opportunity because you can rent it out uh, during the wintertime or during the summertime. I actually, this year, I went for one cottage with a group of friends in the winter. That was fun. And then also in the summer for a... Uh, bachelor party but a lot of it was with poc so of course the food is going to be good it's going to be really marinated and everything else it's not just salt and pepper um so (laughs) (laughs) good one eddie so I think so you went in the winter too. Hey, this is, this I is what Ahmed was talking about. You're next level, bro. This guy elevated color. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. Like <laughs> this man Cotties, man. This, this guy goes to the in the winter. <laughs> but I think I, I see it as well because I think um I'm still I think at the dating stage. So even on dating profiles, you see like for most girls, like going to the cottage and everything else as well. But I wouldn't advertise that as well because otherwise it just becomes like a expectation. No, you have to. Well, I go to the to. cottage. Yeah. Yeah, That's I best. love going to the cottage. That's how you get the invite. <laughs> but I That's used to how you get the match. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Batter, you mentioned chaperoning other, like there's people who take turns chaperoning others' kids yeah. or like the group of kids. Yeah. Um, I imagine that's... That can get chaotic, no? You know, it's kind of like if they're all doing something together, it's like you're watching one kid. Got it. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, Here's where my mind turned to, and it's random. But uh, I was thinking about even just like the babysitting or the chaperoning part. It's like, yeah, kids are doing the same activity. There's, of course, so many yeah. different variables that... Uh, um, that you got to think about when it comes to to the to the kids, but what about when a kid steps out of line though? Like you know, you have that mm. one kid that's just a troublemaker. He's not your kid, mm. um, but he's a troublemaker, <laughs> and yeah, he's causing all kinds of ruckus. What do you do in that scenario? Do you, you, you discipline him? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. <laughs> you guys know where I'm going with this. Do we do this the easy way or do we do this the hard way? So I think there's a standard. Don't hold back. Don't hold I, back. Right? I think there's a standard that you should have for your own kid. So I try to hold myself accountable when I bring my 
my son around and if I see behaviors that I'm not really liking, I try to try to correct that. So if he's acting selfish, for example, or if he's being quite loud or if he's being belligerent, I'll try to, you know, there's a fine line because you have to let kids be kids at the end of the day and you can't put the expectation that they will act like adults so if a kid like picks up a pile of sand and throws it at someone it's like you gotta be you know you have to be aware of of who it is that you're dealing with um and there's so many different styles of parenting so yeah i find some people to just let them loose like Sometimes I'll, uh, if you come in a group and a kid is just wiling out, the parents like, yo, this is uh, my time to relax. So I'm not really going to deal with that. So it is what it is. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think it's the parents have to be held accountable. I'm, I'm, I try to be non-confrontational in those scenarios. It's very awkward. With your you kid or with, with, a, some- with, with if somebody else's kid is acting out, I don't know what, yeah. what, what there is to do. You kind of just have to observe it. So I observe quietly and I just say to myself, yeah, we're never going to do this again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that's more so my attitude towards it. Okay. <laughs> so there was a kid um, that I saw that was like, I, my son and, and, and him were looking at, I, I, I think like ants or something and, and, they were like pointing and it was like a science type thing where it's like, look at that, look at that. And they're like, wow, wow. And then the kid got up and then he's like, all done. And he stepped on the ant mound um, and crushed all of them. Keep doing, an eye on I that felt, kid, bro. That's what I'm saying. Bro, why are you being <laughs> diplomatic? Why are you being <laughs> yeah, yeah, diplomatic? Yeah, why are you being that, diplomatic? That, you were, that was, that was, you like, were frightened for your son. <laughs> bro, I was frightened for myself. Forget my son. <laughs> this kid now knows my address, you know? <laughs> Rosemary's <laughs> baby, yo. <laughs> what the fuck? And someone I'll be keeping an eye on, trust me, uh, as they as they continue growing. So uh, Imagine Hirsch on Dateline. Yeah, I saw it from when he was a kid. I saw, I, <laughs> I saw it from when he was I'm a kid. So ready to do that interview. <laughs> I have it like pre-booked with CP24. It's like if this kid does anything, I, I feel like calling to their hotline. Be like, if this kid does anything, just give me a call. I got you guys. On <laughs> but yeah, so that's my approach to it. Honestly, I don't know about it, if you've actually had to be in a situation uh, to call out bad behavior, but. Uh-huh. yeah it's, so basically it's you're not gonna do nothing <laughs> yeah I'm not, if it's my own uh kid yeah yeah if it's your own yeah, it's different I'll yeah intervene. but when it's not my kid i mean come on that's different that from the law states that you should do nothing as well right <laughs> yeah that's true that's, that's that's the thing though right like the law. i grew up culture like in sudan like i have four sisters i have tons of cousins like dozens and dozens like my dad is one of 10 children my mom is one of 11 like i have such a massive family and when we're together it's like everyone like helps to watch kids right and so it's like sort of it takes a village mentality like my sister is 10 years older than me like in my head like she also helped raise me you know so like she would discipline me as well right so it was like i grew up knowing that like if i stepped out of line an adult any adult could like snatch you at any moment right right yeah. but now that i'm an adult the rules have changed you can't yeah. just snatch up someone's child and tell them like hey this is not right that's not this isn't a good thing to do hey don't smash the ant mound hey uh, don't punch other kids like you you can't do that anymore you can't even talk to other people's kids anymore right it's just it's just not a thing right um not that i necessarily agree with it but now that i have kids i get it right even if your kid is the spawn of satan and they're doing something they shouldn't be doing if another adult comes and talks to your kid nowadays it gets you angry like you you get offended it's almost like they're attacking your parenting skills right that that's a, at least how some parents might interpret it right um my kids are good like my daughter is pretty good she's very friendly like she doesn't really she doesn't really hit or pull people's hair she's very outspoken like if someone does that to her like i don't have to worry because she'll She'll drape them up, be like, yo, don't touch yeah, me. Yeah, she stands right? up for herself. Yeah, yeah, she stands up for herself. But I do see, I do see this all the time at the park, like kids stepping out of line and like nobody really doing anything about it. Uh, the other day at the park, kid literally fell 
off the jungle gym, like fell off. Like it was at least 10 feet high. And I'm pretty sure that kid needed to go to the hospital, but the parents did nothing because the parents are like, it's our day off. We took the kid to the park to relax. Not so the creates more work for me. Right. And I'm like, this kid's going to be a piece of work one day, one day you know, like this is a, this is a problem. You know? But yeah. I don't so- know. I think, I think now that I have kids, I'm less inclined. My, my capacity for noise and for bad behavior is so much higher because I too, like, even though my daughter is mild mannered and she's like, she's an angel. There were, there are times she's not right. And I learned how to deal with that. Right. And so I feel like people who are parents, they also have this like capacity to just deal with bullshit and people without kids might look and be like, yo, snatch your kid, like do something about it, but they don't get it. Right. People without kids might not understand that like that sort of behavior is expected sometimes. And there's a philosophy now that like, when kids act like that, you got to let them like just do it and just write it out and not respond to it so that they learn that like when you when they act bad, they're not going to get like everything they want or they're not going to get a reaction out of you. Yeah. I yeah. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think there's like an element of like coaching that's necessary, too. But I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't necessarily think like you just let them do whatever they want. But at the same time. My kids are my kids. I'll do that with my kids and I, I, I'll keep my hands off other kids. I know with my nieces and nephews, there was a lot of draping up before I had kids. And now when they act out, I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to drape them up anymore. I, I'm a little bit more understanding. Right now, I think the current generation, basing on just how they grew up as well, it's just like, all right, how sensitive are they going to be? Yeah. Like a relative <laughs> I, I, I was in, just right? going to ask that. I feel like that's even taboo. It's like if you see a kid like in Hersh's example, like the stop stomping on ants is not a big deal but if like that same kid is like punching other kids mm-hmm. it, it feels like that's e- it's even taboo to go up to the parents and like tell them that their kids out of line and like they gotta like address that i, I feel like mm-hmm. that like that's also not allowed is, is that instantly like a personal attack you but know? like what like what the heck though like if yeah. the, if the kid has like piece of shit tendencies it's like you know like that has to be talked about like you know yeah. what i mean we can't we can't bury it on the rug right because it's like I get the I get the like the dynamic like I, 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 I would say I mean, the thing there is that um, I'm yeah and I'm talking do, about the perspective it's, it's of a, a, not a parent too yeah I'm yeah talking. the thing <laughs> is people people are are hard to predict when it comes to their kid yeah so that's the thing you don't know if this is like someone who's gonna sensibly like take your recommendations or is right. gonna square up immediately you know so. Yeah that's kind of what makes it an anxious situation to deal with. Right. Because you think worst case scenario, like if this person wants to fight or scream or yell, right. Like, is what the kid did worth kind of getting into that confrontation about? And the answer for me most of the time is no. Because also kids, uh, especially young kids have like the um, attention span of a chicken, you know? Yeah. And even if they're doing bad stuff, they usually like, switch over you just be like hey look at the plane and then they're done like yeah, they, right <laughs> they've kind of walked off into some corner so right. that that's why i think i'm more i'm less inclined to intervene because yeah. usually like it's not even well thought out they just yeah. think it's a cool thing to do in the moment and they switch anyways i mean that's like this is from the perspective like i mentioned earlier from a guy who doesn't have kids and like people in that camp have all sorts of perspectives until they actually have a kid themselves. Yeah, I think and, it might, it might Tyson said it best. Like everybody yeah. has a plan against so you get punched in the face. I have an uncle who um, he has two girls, and um, like he just rolls his eyes at people who give him advice about like people who don't have kids who give him advice about like how to how to conduct to, like like how to like raise his kids like just like literally it, like that's one of his biggest pet peeves and and I always laugh about that because. We always have our perspectives, but I wonder what the <laughs> consequences or the implications of like this new modern quote unquote approach is going to be for, for kids of this generation that, you know, uh, weren't chased with the slippers or the hangers or I would uh, say, I would say expect, <laughs> expect, expect a future Twitter thread on something that you thought was innocuous. It says in 2030, my dad, he was, he didn't give me a PS7. And he thought that that was okay, <laughs> but it caused me deep trauma. Uh, this is a- Triggered. 
And I yes. vow today, I vow today that if yes. my son or daughter <laughs> exactly, wants anything, exactly. <laughs> they will get what they desire because that's what a good father does. Exactly. <laughs> if, it was, exactly. if it was us, it would have been like, in 1997, I got lost at Walmart and no one came looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would have been, you know. Times have changed. Dude. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. All right, man. Then we'll move on. We'll get into some of our main topics, and I think the the, the topic that is is probably going to be relevant for a lot of people. I don't know if you guys are are with Rogers, but the Rogers outage uh, back on July eighth, eighth, uh, and essentially for those of you who are probably sitting under a rock or don't know what happened, but. On that Friday, uh, there was a 19-hour service, out service outage for all Rogers customers. So that includes wireless customers, cable customers, whatever the case may be. And it caused havoc. And it shut down banks. It shut down transportation. It shut down government, ac government access for millions. Um, I heard even it affected the passport office, which has already its... Uh, it has already its, its its issues as well too. So before we get into like the the, the deep, thoughtful, provoking questions, um, I don't know which one of you guys have Rogers, but if you do, like, so what was that experience like for you guys? Did you feel like you had withdrawals from being disconnected, or was it liberating, uh, not having access to the internet? I have Fido for my internet so it caused me a bit of havoc for sure luckily i didn't have anything that i had to like present it was it was a day of deep work like not not too many it was meetings. a friday yeah it was a friday, it was a friday. um yeah. so not too many meetings so in that in that way i i was feeling a bit better and that i would be able to catch up but i felt like if i had i, <clears throat> I just thought about the anxiety that i would have if I actually had something really important to present. Right, right. Um, and I assume that would probably be how small businesses felt about processing payments. Um, people who had a deal to close potentially felt about like not being able to talk to, to, to their clients or vendors. Um, it reminded people how how much we take the internet for granted it's kind of this invisible force that permeates society at such a deep level um but people don't spend much of their daily lives thinking about like what it means yeah. to actually be offline yeah um, and it's one thing when you're offline your own choice like going to the cottage or or, or planning sort of an offline day it's a whole different thing when you're when, when it's kind of thrust upon you during a work day. I, I was talking to Eddie about this and it was the summertime. Uh, a lot of people were away, uh, potentially on vacation. Uh, like you said, it was a, a Friday. So bleeding into a weekend. Uh, so I think these factors may have mitigated it a bit, but if it, cause if it was like a Monday during the fall and everybody's yeah. kind of like in town and, and Interesting. work, yeah, I feel like we would have felt it even more. So, yeah, I would say it was it was it was quite stark. Uh, but I know we're going to get into like what it means from a competitive perspective. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Later on, but yeah, yeah I think actually just seeing it, it it was kind of crazy because I would go to stores and they would say we're not Especially. accepting. Yeah, yeah, we're not accepting Interact. Um, I would, I would, I would uh, see people line up to. Uh, get money out of their ATMs. And uh, I think a lot of people who were uh, suspicious of like digital, um, digital money, uh, they had their moment, right? Like the cash is king came back yeah. to the forefront. So yeah, dope boys are well. celebrating everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to process that transaction for you actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that, that. That's how I felt about it. Overall, I think just a a very um, confusing, uh, just like bewildering type of day. Uh, but then when things settled and people found out what it meant, uh, it was a bit refreshing. I would like to say, uh, say in that uh, I probably watched less TV than I would have probably watched. I yeah. Uh, took less phone calls that I probably would have taken. Uh, yeah. uh, but my TELUS f 
phone was like a lifeline for us. So I was like hotspotting everything, like my laptop, my my wife's phone, like everything was basically on this one one phone. I even thought about like uh streaming youtube on my on my tv using my hotspot uh luckily i didn't so you weren't Uh, even disconnected then really yeah i was i wasn't fully disconnected no uh i was uh, thankfully i i think it's it's funny because personally i had like a backup plan and my wife's been like you you should come to uh, uh, fido for your phone and i always felt wary about being too dependent on one service provider um so i'm glad it was it was like one of those moments where it's like yeah this is this makes sense this is why we didn't do that so for those of you guys who don't know hirsch is a big finance guy so this concept of just diversifying even your providers is just ingrained in him even as a finance guy diversify everything risk better uh eddie what about youtube um did it affect you in any way or was it kind of just similar experience to Hirsch? Um, I think from my experience, it was like um, a f- I, unofficial like three-day weekend because majority nice. of my coworkers were unable to like send any messages. <laughs> like all my phone, my phone and internet are not connected to Rogers. So it was like really, really like fun to just like be able to troll on Twitter. I think I saw some really, really funny memes about people ghosting and pretending they were on Rogers. Um, but <laughs> I think I think it was just like an opportunity to just like really like enjoy that summer day. Yeah. But I think for me, I think it was a friend. I think a friend in a friend group, like someone had posted like Rogers is down, and I thought it'd okay, just be a few hours, but it kept on going on, and then it came became more aware of like what services were actually linked to. Um, to Rogers, where you had the ATMs, the Interact, you had nine one one services, um, you had all these critical services that had been available, made available um, on the network, and we had only very few providers. And this could easily have been Bell or anywhere, anyone else. But I was like in shock and awe with like how much was was like infused in one provider yeah. at the time, and so many and the place was critical this was a critical risk situation right um and the even rogers wasn't saying anything like their communication on this issue was like really like shit yeah um, we will do better we will do better like they're yeah. providing credit but um and also the government's response afterwards of what it was going to do to tackle the situation was just yeah. very, not very supportive and they were fortunate this happened in the summer not in the winter yeah but, we really have like this really showed the gaps in the system in terms of why like the industry is so concentrated with just a few players. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll get into it, but I think my pet peeve for the longest time is like, we have like too many big players to uh, this oligopoly of telecom. Yeah. Yeah. To be split up. We need more players to help. manage. Yeah. This. Yeah. And that's kind of, it's a good segue to what, um, the reason why we brought up this topic to begin with, right, is just this whole concept of competition, right? So I think this um, this situation basically created like uh, an outrage of like needing more competition when it comes to telecom. Um, and thank God there's like some um, some level of sensibility, uh, at least from the, at the government level. When and we saw that when Rogers tried to buy out Shaw uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, because of course, like if, if that happened, it would just hamper competition where like rates are already high or among the highest. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie, I know that, um, you know, we had talked a little bit about, um, I think it was Matthew Boswell's, uh, who's the commissioner of competition in Canada yeah. um, and his, uh, his speech back in late 2021 around, uh, Canada needing more competition to fuel growth, of course, for the economy, to offer more choice and availability for customers. Um, you know, I guess first thing is first, it's like, you know, break down Matthew's speech for us, right? Um, and, and, and how you see that, uh, how you see that linking to what happened with Rogers uh, a couple, uh, about a couple of weeks ago now, actually. I yeah so I think Matthew's speech was very like highly instrumental because I think it highlighted just like a few key points which actually 
um, or a prelude to all of this, the fact that we need robust competition policy in the country in yeah. order to compete at a global stage. Like all our partners, whether you look at Europe or you look at the United States, yeah. what they what's very different with Canada is that they have an intense focus on the need to increase competition in their economies as well. Yeah. Even says that like having a robust competition is not only good for like small businesses, but it's also good for consumers, especially that are trying to make ends meet. Right. If you know you have like a good com competition, you know you can get other resources. It's good for people to like buy uh, more sustainability, but then also in terms of workforce as well, you're diversifying your workforce as well. Um, but he also highlighted that our competition laws are um, our laws that prevent any kind of collusion, like carteling or anything of the sorts, right, haven't been updated. They haven't been updated to prevent anti-competitive behavior. And because Canada's existing um, um, system is based off of like um, an efficiency principle, right, where like if a service um, which can be done more efficiently by having just like one service provider as well, you go through that despite the anti-competitive nature that it may bring or the impact it may have as well, right? So we're still going through that phase. Now, I'm no lawyer, um, but I think <laughs> there is, I think there is something to be had to say that um, it hasn't been worked on um, for a long time. I think the last, last, I think, report that came out on this was 10 years ago. Um, and I think even in his speech, like when, when a review of this had to be done, this was before Netflix became really big. So we haven't had like a full on review of our anti-competition laws, what needs to be done to present itself on a competitive level. Um, but what is also hindering that? So and also from the federal point of view, none of our, um, the government currently in place, I think the Liberal government hasn't really done much to say yeah. the least. Um, if this was an election issue, this should be an election issue as should well. Like, yeah. How are we being competitive? Like we, the voters should make this an election issue as well. Like how do we stay competitive? Like how is it that if we go to the United States or if we go to Europe, our uh, counterparts there have phone prices at around $20, $30, and they're doing pretty much more than what we have here as well. And we're spending like uh, 60, 70, $80 a month. That's not really good for anyone else. Um, but it's that high concentration of just a few players. And the worst part about it is that a lot of times when we do begin opening up this discussion, uh, nationalist um, forms of um, discussion come in, like we're going to destroy Canadian economy. We're going to... Uh, people are going to lose their jobs. I which is would flawed, which, which is, is so flawed. flawed. Yeah, which I think like you have more competitors coming in, more people are going to get employed as well. You're actually yeah. going to increase the technology as well, and, and you're also going to, yeah. in, and the innovation, right? You're going to make right. Canada a hotbed of people wanting to come in here as well. What I think from the national security concerns as well, then we just have to beef up our infrastructure, see who we're coming in as well. But I think this whole nationalist approach is middle of the ground approach isn't really working for anyone and we've just seen the impact as well and until we do something about it we're really going to suffer and yeah. my, my concern with this uh coming out of this uh rogers situation because it happened in the summer i think i feel maybe i'm, I'm a bit cynical is that people may just like go um status quo status quo will remain until another incident will happen but i really think that now is the right time to really begin pushing because the liberal government's in a minority to really push like this has to be a topic a top election issue whichever government is in place we need to like really review and revamp how we look at competition in the market whether it's in the grocery store whether it's in the telecom or whether it is um grocery store telecom or if it's in banking as well for our listeners that are in the opposition conservative government here, you heard it here first, you know, this is, this could be a hot topic issue. Um, you know, it's actually funny when you were, when you were going through your points, Eddie, the thing that I thought about is like, if we start bring up this discussion again, you remember back in 2013, when Verizon was thinking about breaking yes. into the Canadian market yeah. Yes. and oh my, I was working for TELUS at the time. Telus, Rogers and Bell, they were scared shitless yes. about like, um, like, like they were so scared. Like, like it was like, they were doing interviews and campaigns about like, like, don't bring Verizon. And 
like Verizon was just thinking about it. Like it wasn't even like they had anything yeah. in stone or anything secure in place. It was just like something they just talked about high level, but like, it was just interesting to see how scared uh, like the telcos were when, when just like the top thought of that came up. And, and you know what really helped them at the time, the what really helped Canadian telcos at the time, that was, I think around the same time, the Snowden incident had happened when it was revealed. I think there were some leaks that had happened where it was revealed, like, there was the US and a few other organizations, the Five Eyes were like tapping into people's phones and stuff. And I think Verizon was implicated in all of that. So that was bad press for Verizon, right? And then the oh, Canadian telcos, yeah, if you go back and look at it, the Canadian yeah. telcos use that as well as part of their propaganda approach, right? Like, look yeah. at this, if you let them in, they're going to tap into your phone. And no, I, I think that was also during the Harper period. That's when people are like, oh, no, no, we're not going to touch it. And also the government of the day was just like, yeah, we're having our hands are off of this as well. Like, I don't think we're going to like open up the commissioner of the CRTC as well said like they weren't really going to be like opening up this like uh, the spectrum and stuff. But we've moved on from that point as well. Like to what point must we continue to suffer through high yes. prices? Right. Um, as a just consumer. Because, yeah. yeah, for the consumer, just because we feel as though we're not like we're not going to let some other competitor come in. At some point, we're going to have to review this. Like, even with this inflation, we need to begin reviewing what is really necessary um, and whether our laws are a little bit archaic um, at this point. So I think the com uh, competition commissioners are like, has it right? But I think there's also some form of political will. Um, but then also from a community level, we also need to really push really hard on this to like open this like way in which we operate um, as an industry in different facets. So are you hopeful for Matthew Boswell's um, speech like in terms of like just the fact that like there's now awareness around the issue and we're like looking at like now other countries that have kind of are, are far ahead on this spectrum. Are you hopeful that like because there's awareness now, um, mm -hmm. things will start to materialize slowly but surely? Or do you, you feel like it's just like, you know what, like, it's just kind of all talk at this point? I think, um, I think he's ready for action. I think he's ready yeah. for action. So I think that is a good, I think that's a good indicator. Right. I think where we would need, uh, where I would feel more hopeful is if we had a CRTC commissioner um, and CRTC is the agency that's responsible for all um, overseeing all the telecommunications in Canada. Um, if we had a CRTC commissioner as well, that was also like open and receptive to reviewing this issue. If we also had a federal government that had um, advancing or um, developing Canada's competition laws for the 21st century, then I would be very, very helpful. At the current juncture, I have no hope in the CRTC or the federal, federal government to make those moves. Yeah, um, yeah. And I see, feel like though, like the competition commissioner may be like, you know, left fighting um, the fight on his own. Um, but, you know, time will tell. But I, I really feel as though that they have not given him like an adequate environment or playground to really do what needs to be done. What do you think the CR, like the telcos is incentive is obvious, but for the CRTC, what do you think their incentive is with the status quo? I think with the status quo, it is, of course, like they're trying to balance to make sure like, hey, we have enough like um, Canadian uh, telecom uh, telecommunication companies that are serving the Canadian public. We have enough a Canadian content that's running through the channels as well, that we maintain at least some kind of Canadian infrastructure as well. Um, now, I don't work for the CRTC, no have high ever, but I would also surmise to say that maybe there's just also like, um, how are they able to like review to make sure like the decisions that they make won't harm uh, Canadian broadcasting um, going into the future as well. So I think their biggest impediment, I think, is like right. trying to predict a future that hasn't yet happened in which they open it up. But if they open it up, how is it not going to impact Canadian broadcasting yeah. to the point where you lose all sorts of content and stuff? But my view is that you have some really great uh, big economies. Uh, you have, like, for example, Australia, you have the United Kingdom, you have 
Um, if you even want to take it a little bit further along, you have like even in South Korea and stuff, you have a lot of these places that have an established a broadcasting approach as well. Yeah, um, maybe not so Korea, but I think maybe in the UK and Australia, where like they're able to maintain their their national content, their national providers. But at least in some case, like you open it up to some level of competition, you allow for some level of competition, and you explore the rates at those points in time. So um, I think you have to be a little bit more, I think, ambitious and at least um, adventurous enough to just like try something new as opposed to just like staying the status quo just because you feel as though that that's the best that you can do. And I don't think that's the best for the Canadian consumer. And I don't think the CRTC is seeing it from the consumer's point of view. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, there's already models or established models in place yeah. that you can replicate. Yeah. Uh, so why not at least give it a try yeah. um, and create more variety for consumers? Yeah. Um, all good points. And thanks, Eddie, for, for sharing that. Before we kind of close off today's episode, Batter, did you, was there anything that you wanted to add um, that Eddie hadn't uh, gone through? Uh, no, I think just in my experience, I've had really bad experiences with Rogers. Just let's start with same, that. Same, same. And one in particular, uh, when I was younger, like 1920, I, I went to Boston and I had my roaming on. Like I didn't even have service. It just the feature on my phone was left on. And I got charged like thousands of dollars in roaming charges. And I remember going to them and being like, this is completely unreasonable. Like I just left it on by accident. Like it was an honest yeah. mistake. And to them, it was like, nope, you you pay us thousands for something that is basically on paper, just a fee that they've just created that just helps their bottom line, right? And I remember going to other providers to try and, you know, find another plan and try to figure things out and nothing, everything was the same price, which is still the same case today. Like yeah, all the providers provide the same things they do all the same things. Everything is the same price. When you see a promo with Rogers, Bell has the exact same promo. Um, but like, I couldn't afford to pay thousands of dollars. So I actually went months. I don't know, Hirsch, if you remember this, I went months without a phone. Yeah. And uh, I even looked into cancellation fees. So to cancel. It, oh, at the back time, in the day? That was yeah, you worked, so you worked in telecoms, you know. Yeah. It was like uh, a $250 upfront fee plus another uh, like advice balance dollars per yeah. month had yeah. left bill, uh, on your on your contract and i i just re-signed my contract so i had three years of so that's like 12 times three times 30 right imagine the amount of money that i, I would have to pay thousands regardless even if i just wanted to cancel right yeah so I, I went like a good six months without a phone and like when people didn't have service that friday you know like it reminded me of that time like i felt very liberated by it I memorized a ton of phone numbers and whoever I needed to call, like they knew how to, to get a hold of me. And like I had created this lifestyle where like, oh, it's nice not having a phone. Right. And so mm -hmm. I do get it. I also do acknowledge that, you know, 10, 15 years ago is not today. And today not having a phone is almost not even an option. Right. So now that yeah, we're here debatable. and that, you know, a mobile phone or just telecommunications in general is so important to people. Like some people use their data for internet because they don't have internet at home. They can't afford internet at home. Right. So it's so important to people that I'm not sure why we haven't done more to make it more affordable or to, you know, allow more competition to drive prices down and things like that. And, you know, a lot of what Eddie says, it, it, it makes me, um, it makes me hopeful that we'll get there soon because in reality, like this can't continue to happen. Like we had someone on our podcast and we explained to them how much a, a phone bill costs. And he was like, that's ridiculous because in the United States, $25 gets you everything and everything unlimited. Whereas here, $25 doesn't even get you a voicemail, you know? So um, it's, they've changed some of the practices in terms of contracts and uh, the length of contracts and things like that. And, you know, throttling speeds and things like that. So it's changing. Is it, It's not changing fast enough for, for my liking, but it is a lot different. And I think I am hopeful, like, like some of the things that Eddie said, I am hopeful that we'll see some change for sure. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like, yeah, Eddie's point just around like, that's why competition is so important is because like, if 
you have multiple players, it forces everyone to be on their A game, right? Whereas, like, I think Matthew Boswell mentioned this, um, it's like the, the current system in place just feels complacency. Hershey, uh, I know you have a, a point. I imagine you have a point that you want to bring up. Uh, talk to us and bring us home. Yeah, I think um, all the points shared so far uh, speak to uh, challenges that we have in, in the Canadian economy um, outside of just outside of uh, telecoms, right? Like when you really think about Canada and its economic landscape and, and the players and all the different industries, yeah, power is usually concentrated in a handful of organizations. So whether you think about pharmaceuticals, whether you think about groceries, whether you think about banking, whether you think about telecoms, like you can usually probably name like four or five companies at most, six at most, that hold a large share of power. And it's, it's I feel like coming the chickens are coming home to roost in terms of like all <laughs> yes, these Malcolm. issues. Yes, yeah, Malcolm. Be, because, uh, you know, the major telecoms control, I think something like 90% of the domestic yeah. wireless market in That's Canada. Yeah. Um, and when you have that amount of concentration, uh, there is, uh, you know, instead of improving your products and, and, and watching your back for competition, you could essentially just raise the prices um, of your service because you can, it, yeah, because people will be uh, there's like very uh, few places to turn to for relief, right? And, and they all kind of do it. And I think there was like issues around uh, uh, fixing the price of bread uh, for Loblaws or or that denial of Verizon and Verizon entering the Canadian marketplace. These are kind of like revolving issues that we we continue to see. Um, I think what makes it challenging, and I've been thinking through this recently because I'm thinking to myself, why as Canadians have we just accepted the status quo? Um, and I, I think part of it is honestly, these companies have gotten ahead uh, of, of any competitive forces that could eat into their profit margins. So uh, Rogers bought Fido. So Fido is an up and start company and people are like, Hey, I'm going to turn to Fido. And then Rogers gobbled it up. Uh, Shaw bought wind, uh, Bell bought Manitoba telecom services. So I've never used yeah. Manitoba telecom services, Pellas, but Pellas I imagine public. Exactly. So yeah. it's like, whenever there is a, a potential competitor coming in, it quickly gets gobbled up. Um, yeah. Uh, which makes it challenging. So for me, oh, like I like said, that. my internet's on Fido. It's like, because Fido depends on on kind of the Rogers network, it, uh, by proxy, when Rogers shuts down, my internet gets shut down. So it's kind of one of those things where people don't understand how, uh, <laughs> to, be, to bring it back to a simple uh, example, uh, I would get a kick out of uh, when I was in high school uh, blowing people's mind because uh, friends' minds because like I would look at the uh, McDonald's like uh, machine uh, the the pop machine and I would tell them like all of these fall under one brand and they're like no bro Sprite is owned by Coke oh what I thought Fruitopia like you know what I'm saying like that's like a point, people yeah. see different brands and assume they're different things. But then you realize like it's all under Coca-Cola or PepsiCo. So it's a way for these organizations to give you the allure of choice. Um, like, yeah, you don't have to do business with me. You can do business with Fido. But guess what? I'm going <laughs> to get all the profit from the business you're doing with them. Right. The illusion right. of like competition and like, uh, and I think Canadians are, are waking up to that. Um, are they though? I, they're waking up to it, but the challenge that I was speaking to is that these powers are very entrenched, right? So uh, the challenge is like when you think about telecoms, when you think about uh, banks, banking, for example, um, a lot they the the banks in particular pay dividends, right, to their shareholders. So a lot of pension funds, retirement funds, or 
or, or investments like, that Canadians make include a subset uh, of bank stocks, right? Because historically, they've been known as being very stable, they pay you a dividend. So in a weird way, like, we've almost, we've almost bought into the, the monopolistic nature of our economy. Uh, another point is like, employment, right? Like, whether it's telecoms, banks, like, they have a large share of the in, in, uh, or a large share of of uh, the opportunities that are out there for employees so for example uh, and eddie probably can can attest to this as well uh you're not going to see wild variances when it comes to like uh employee payment based on the different bank that you work at because they've kind of set set the expectation for what your wage should be yeah and because it's like you're not going to get much of a difference if you work for x company versus y company versus z company you know um so it's very pervasive like i think canadians are starting to wake up to this yeah uh, but there are reasons for why the change is slow so i think people are starting to understand like Hey, if nobody can enter your industries in Canada, you know, people will look elsewhere, you know, capital will find will. a place. Yeah. yeah. A place they where will. there's more favorable conditions. So uh, we, we got to stop getting Like we got to get away from these, the fear mongering, um, yep. get away from the idea that, Oh, more choice is going to harm us because it, you know, it's common sense that more choice would, would, uh, you know, uh, bode better for the consumer. But, you know, the power is to be will will obviously not go down without a fight or, or not go down without kicking and screaming. So um, we'll see. It's, it's very interesting. It's hard to see how it plays out because we're in the backdrop of a potential recession. Yeah. So yeah. and recessions, you know, we talked about it with Ray. It's like uh, they, they, they have the potential to drive inequality or, or, or increase concentration even further. Because a lot of those startup companies or companies that are new uh, will, will be forced to kind of potentially merge with these larger companies or 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 shut down operations because they're not profitable, uh, which creates a nasty like feedback loop. Um, so I'm hopeful uh, for the future, but uh, we're, I, I have to take a wait and see approach just because of how 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 strange things are but i i see i think it starts with the consumer so i'll end off with this i think it starts with the consumer yeah um, and i think if the consumer demands more uh we the 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 uh government will be in a better position to uh drive uh, the message that more options are needed for consumers and i think the rogers outage was a wake-up call so I know Canadians are pretty lax. I'm not advocating that they turn into, uh, we see the scenes that we see in Paris when <laughs> anything happens and they start burning buildings and, or burning cars and yeah, there's a, there's a balance. Yeah, we need some balance. of that energy though. You know? yeah, yeah, that not, fire. not the crime, I agree. not the crime. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, the yeah. crime, I agree. but the yeah. energy, the, yeah. the energy to be like, what is this? What's going on? Why? Uh, and pressure the government to make it more favorable to consumers. And I think that's starting to happen. So in that, in that front, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. So it's like a cautious optimism that I have. But yeah, more importantly, I think it like, and I'll end off in this note too. And I think it also spills into other topics, right? It's like, and there's kind of like this underlying theme that we see like across like different topics we've talked about in the past, but it's like, as Canadians, do we fight enough for what we want, right? Um, are, we, are we assertive, like not aggressive, but are we assertive when it comes to demanding what we want and the things that we want? Um, or are we like bogged down by the bureaucracy or the amount of effort and work among the many other things, which I completely understand, which is why we don't, why we don't fight for things or why we don't fight for things that we want. But that's, that in itself is a topic in itself. Uh, for our listeners, we're going to end it there. And thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us in the discussion. And as always, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your perspectives on the, the topics that we've talked about today. And don't forget to like, comment, and share. Three simple steps go a long way in terms of getting our message and our conversations out there. 
Thank you again.